parenting, raising them, originally I said right, and all of a sudden I'm like, no, we're going to raise them righteous. I mean, that's the right way. Only God can make our children righteous. But we have a part, like Gloria mentioned, is when we are raising our kids, there's a part that we do that is so, so important at home that uh, we have to... We have to start at home, and it has to it has to be maintained, and it has to be continued. The church is here just to kind of come along, and we come alongside you. And just like Gloria mentioned, the dedications. You know, you can dedicate your children, but there's a point in there where we turn to the congregation and say, "We will, we will help you. We will, we will be there for you." So, parenting, raising them righteous. <clears throat> Uh, parenting, as you know, first of all, I got to let you know, even if you don't have children, you're parenting. You may be aunts, you may be uncles, uh, maybe you're older and you've already had children and they've come up through the ranks, you've raised them, they're on their own. But even if you're grandchildren, we're always parenting. So anytime you come in contact with a, with a, a, young child or maybe a young adult, you are parenting. So just, just remember that. So this message isn't just for people who have children. But parenting is, and as you know, one of the most important endeavors that you guys will ever take on. And parenting is also one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences you'll ever have. In Psalms, I don't have this up there, guys, but in Psalms 127.3, it says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from Him. And when I think about heritage, heritage is something that's that's almost like a tradition. It's something that you have in your family. Maybe it's something that you have in your community that's passed down. It's something that's held up, but it's something that's passed down from one generation to another. It's a heritage, and that's the way God sees our children. It's something that He um, bestows upon us to raise uh, to nurture, to educate, to train, and it's a heritage. It's not, just, and it doesn't end there. It's it starts there, but as we go from our from our children, then it goes to their children and their children and generations. Okay. I said, and, and here's the thing: even under the best of circumstances, parenting is hard. Okay, and it's really only by the grace of God that. Our children really succeed in making a difference in this world for God and for the kingdom. I mean, really, that's the goal, right? I mean, it's about making sure that our children really shine God's light in a dark world. And this world is getting darker all the time. And by doing that, they're saving souls. And quite honestly, if I had my choices, obviously, I'd rather have them that way than being raising them up to be either super rich or super famous like the world wants. I mean, we want our kids to be famous for God, right? But, you know, parenting, uh, wow, it's such a broad topic when you think about it. There's so many things to consider, so many angles to consider. Uh, Literally, in the world, there's thousands of books that have been published on how to raise your children. You know, most of the books promise that if you follow these certain steps that your child's going to turn out just so, you know, just right. Okay, steps one, two, go seven steps, and your child is going to turn out just exactly the way you want. How many know that that does not happen? I mean, maybe it happens on occasion, but for the most part, it just doesn't happen. Now, i got to start with a disclaimer. I'm not an expert. Not an expert. 
Many of you are way better at parenting than I am. I am, however, experienced. My wife and I have been married for almost 37 years. We've got three children, and all who are married to wonderful spouses, and they love the Lord, every one of them. And we've got four beautiful grandchildren, and hopefully more to come, right? since we've been at church, uh, and not just Victory, uh, we were at Sillerud, we've taught youth group for over 20 years. This year is actually going to be our first year that we're not teaching youth group, so uh, we're going to see how that turns out. <laughs> Time to move on, right? So first we taught at Sillerud, and then we taught in Victory, but in those years we really had the opportunity to experience kids of all ages, most of them at their best, but a few of them, unfortunately, at their worst. So we've had a little bit of experience that way. In the process of raising our children, we've made a lot of mistakes. But most importantly, we've learned from our mistakes. Uh, Those are the lessons that you really, really remember. I mean, the ones that really hurt, the ones that you've you've made those mistakes, those are the lessons that always seem to stick with us the best, right? I usually tell people that I graduated valedictorian from the School of Hard Knocks because that's my education, almost in just about everything. Speaking of mistakes, have you ever made the mistake of offering some parenting to a, uh, parenting to a, uh, advice to someone who never asked you for it? Whoa. Usually the response is what? Don't tell me how to raise my kids, right? That's usually the response. So you do that once, you'll remember that lesson for a while. So just be sure, just, just so you hear me correctly, This is not really a how-to message, but more of a what-if message, okay? Studies have shown that our background is one of the most determining factors that influence the way we, we raise our children. In other words, we have a strong tendency to raise our children the same way that we were raised by our parents. Now, some of you may find this real comforting, but others may find this a bit of a challenge, depending upon your background. My dad had nine siblings. My mom had three. Both families were predominantly boys. My family wasn't a real huggy family, and we didn't really talk much about our feelings. So when it came to raising our kids, I found out quickly that I had to work on being very deliberate about talking and communicating with how I felt. I didn't always do a very good job at that area. Thankfully, my wife was. And she'll be the first to admit that I'm really not a great communicator. But Gloria's family was different. Thank goodness, right? Uh, They communicated what they were thinking and feeling all the time. We sat around the table and they chatted, they talked, they told us why they were doing things, why they did it. You know, that was just something that I didn't experience. But as a result, Gloria was able to compensate for my lack of communication skills. And communicating really... Uh, with your children is especially important these days. As parents, and Gloria mentioned this earlier, we're contending with the world. We're actually in competition with the world. You know, the world uh, is trying to teach our children all kinds of things that are just so ungodly right now. And they're learning something new every day. Whether you think your children aren't, I mean, think about it for a second. You know, you you always ask your children, well, what did you learn in school today? Oh, nothing. You know, but they are. They're learning something. And they learn it usually by watching more than they do by reading or hearing somebody speak, okay? 
So who's teaching now? A few weeks ago, we heard Pastor Casey's heart for reaching our children. She mentioned that there was a competition going on for the souls, the very souls of your children. I mean, the, the enemy is like a lion. He's roaming the world seeking someone to devour. And, you know, if we don't, if we don't take care of our children and train our children, the enemy is going to step in right where we fall short. So if left unchecked, he's going to teach them all kinds of ungodly things. She mentioned uh, uh, stuff that's happening in the legislature right now. I'll get to that in just a moment. But, you know, the world is all about self. It's all about self. It's completely opposite of what the Bible's trying to teach us. It's not about us. It's about him, you know, and being servants to others. But the world is about self. How can I... How can I, uh, you know, improve my situation? What can, what can I do to raise myself up? Right now, uh, the world is trying to teach things like gender identity. They're actually going to ask the children. At some point in their lives, they get to decide what gender they are. I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible has created us man and woman. Also, sexual preference. That's another thing that's coming down. Right now, by the way, these are topics that are being considered in the legislature as part of sex education curriculum. That if passed, will be taught to your children in schools all over the state. I believe, in fact, I know it's much more difficult being a parent today than even just a few years ago. Consider this. Many of us grew up without the Internet, without cell phones. I mean, it really wasn't that long ago before these things came around. Few of us still don't really go online or use our cell phones other than making phone calls. So think of the challenges facing parents today that would disappear if you didn't have Internet and cell phone alone, just those two things. So everything is so readily available to anyone with a cell phone or a computer, and that includes pornographic material. I remember listening to Josh McDowell. He's gone now, bless him. But this was a few years ago. Um, he was a guest speaker at one of the Promise Banquets at True Light. And he said that on average, the age when a child first views pornographic material, whether it's intentional or by accident, is now around eight years old. Eight. And that was a few years ago. So I can only imagine that that's probably shortened up now. So parents have a lot on their plate right now. So in contrast, I'm old enough, so I was one of those who grew up without the internet, and I grew up without cell phones. In fact, get this, even the TV shows we watched were wholesome. Shows like Father Knows Best. Shows like Leave it to Beaver. Gilligan's Island. Green Acres, Little House on the Prairie, Andy Griffith Show. None of these shows had bad language and usually taught a really nice, good, wholesome life lesson. That's quite a difference from the shows that are on today, wouldn't you agree? I mentioned earlier about our background influencing the way we, par- where we, the way we parent. Um, our families, Gloria's and our, my family, we went to Sunday school. We went to church. We did an occasional Bible camp. We were baptized. We were confirmed in the Lutheran faith. 
And I know we both remember that confirmation being a meaningful, meaningful and significant thing. And our parents did the best they could to bring us up in the faith, that, and we were grateful for it. But I do realize that not all of us have had that opportunity for our faith to grow. I'm sure there are many here today that their parents have never brought them to church or have even considered your spiritual health. But God has brought you here. You are here today because God has called you here. You're learning God's truths. You're making, your chil- you're making sure that your children have the opportunity to learn about Jesus and his goodness and his love. Isn't it great to know that God actually equips us to be parents? First in the natural, obviously, made us man and woman, but also in the spiritual. He has given us everything that we need for raising godly children and being godly parents. And how do I know that? He tells us so. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. It's encouraging to know that even though, even if we haven't had the best examples of, of parents, that God cares for us, He loves us, even more than our earthly parents could. In Psalm 68.5, David describes God as being a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. There's tons of scriptures about how our Heavenly Father loves us and cares for us and also about our parenting. For instance, Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Some translations say exasperate. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we've all heard Proverbs 22.6, and Gloria mentioned it earlier, train a child, and train, and some translations it says dedicate, a child in the way he should go. What way is that? The right way, or a way of wisdom. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. So I picked out three characteristics, three attributes of our Heavenly Father that we as parents should always remember when we're parenting our children. The first one, unconditional love. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished or bestowed something in generous or extravagant quantities. I don't know, when I hear that word lavished, it just, to me, it sounds like a fuzzy warm blanket on a cold day, just kind of pulling that over yourself. And, and I think that's a pretty good picture of what, what this means. Is, is he lavished? He's bestowed on that. Extravagant quantities. Uh, oh, to finish that verse, I'm sorry. On us, that we should be able to be called the children of God. John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And here's the part. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then my personal favorite is Romans 8.38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brian actually mentioned this a week or two ago, he said there is nothing else, there's nothing that we can do that can make the Father love us anymore. 
And then there's nothing that we can do that will actually make the Father love us any less. His love is complete. His love is perfect. And He is love. That's who He is. That's His character. The love that we have for our children really needs to be the same. We need to cement in their hearts and their minds that their identity and their value is in Christ alone and nothing else. It has nothing to do with performance, has nothing to do with status, prestige, and especially has nothing to do with wealth. Can you imagine if love was conditional? Not knowing from one day to the next if you're loved? Think about how much insecurity that would cause and has caused today. I know Mike was talking about counseling. That's one of the biggest things when he was counseling that he dealt with was people's insecurities. Not knowing who they are, not knowing you know, if they're valued. So unconditional love, that's the first one. Second one is boundaries. God gives us his word as a guide, a roadmap, an instructional manual on how to live. Guys, I'm going to speak to you here right now. Have you ever assembled a grill or a bookshelf without using the instruction manual? I have. <laughs> what a disaster. Uh, I usually have to take it apart five times just to get the job done. And it takes me forever to complete it, and I get so frustrated that in the end, I don't even enjoy what I put together. Believe it or not, even new vehicles. There we are. I gotta, okay, I've got to bring vehicles into the picture. Even new vehicles have technology today that watches your boundaries, believe it or not. Your vehicle starts to drift just a little bit. It reads that little white fog line, and some maybe sound an alert. Some actually nudge the steering wheel for you. It feels kind of weird the first time you feel that. But it keeps you right in the center of the lane. Imagine if we had that for the kids, had that feature. They start to get a little out of control and just pop right back into the center of the lane again. (laughs) But in the same manner, God watches over us. He protects us. Have you ever heard the term helicopter parent? You know, for the most part, I think we we kind of view this in a negative way. Helicopter parent means his parents kind of hovering over their child. They can't let them do their own thing. You know, and I realize that, yeah, it's got to, there's a, there are limits. I mean, I don't want you going to your child's first job interview, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, there are some obvious limits. But, I mean, I kind of picture Jesus as a helicopter parent. I mean, he's always around, right? He's always watching us. He's, he's protecting us. He's guiding us all the time. But he does let us make our own mistakes, right? A business phrase that we use fairly often is called inspect what you expect. If I'm asking my sales team to do something, I'd better check and make sure that they're doing it. Otherwise, guess what? They get the idea that it really doesn't matter or that I'm just trying to keep them busy. You know, if we're expecting our children to be doing some homework or perhaps doing their chores, then we need to check in with them to make sure that they're being obedient. We set time limits, or if we set time limits on gaming or maybe time on their cell phones, The least we can do is check up on them just to make sure that the boundaries are still in place. Now, when we do that, our children may tell us that we're crimping their style. But in reality, boundaries deep down actually make our children feel protected and secure because it lets us know that we care for them, we love them. So boundaries, second one. Third one, discipline. Whoa. 
Never has there been such a controversial topic, discipline. To spank or not to spank, that's the question. Well, I'm not going to go there. Uh, all I know is that when I was growing up, I got spanked. And because of that, I spanked our children when it was warranted. Personally, I believe there are certain infractions that children do and certain behaviors that can only be corrected with a physical touch, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you know what I <laughs> what does the Bible say about discipline? Well, Proverbs 3, 11, 12, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Deuteronomy 8, 15. It says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And tell me how you finish this one in Proverbs 13, 20. Don't put it up yet. He who spares the rod, it's not doesn't say that. Put that up, would you please? I looked at every single translation, and it does not say that. It says, he who, sp- he who spares the rod hates, hates his children. Oh, where'd it go? Put the next one up, would you please? That's not on there. Oh, it's not on there. Well, what do you know? Okay. Don't worry about it. That's all right. No, the the verse actually says, he who spares the rod hates his child. Hates. That's even worse than spoils. Think about that. Not a single translation says spoils a child. Why is that? Because I think we put that in ourselves. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. And what is a rod? First thing I think of it. Stick. Everybody else think that too? The rod is not a stick. <laughs> the rod actually stands for punishment of all kinds. could be just a correction. It could be just a gentle rebuke. But that's called the rod of punishment. I don't know, for many, many years, I was thinking the rod means, hey, it's a big stick, okay? <laughs> it's not. The key to these verses is that the Lord disciplines those he loves. But, here's the key, it's not out of anger. His heart is all about restoration. He's trying to bring us back into a right relationship with him. That's a great model to follow. Never discipline out of anger. Excuse me. I watched a comedian one time talking about him and his brothers. They were getting into trouble, and his mother was whooping up on him. And afterwards, his mother would hug him lovingly and say, Oh, why do you make me do those things to you? You know I love you. Now let's go find your other eyeball. Now, I'm going to close with one last point. So our Heavenly Father is a God of order. Everything He created was done in an orderly way. The stars, the sun, the planets, even the moons, all have been put into their exact rotational orbit so that they're in harmony with each other. If you're looking for harmony in the home, guess what? God has an order there as well. First in the order is a pretty easy one to figure out. It's God. That's first. But sometimes we confuse the second two. Second in order is actually the husband and the wife, or the parent, or the marriage. That's actually second in order. It's not our kids. The kids kids actually come third. So many families place so much importance on their children that they really forget about their spouses. They forget about their marriage. 
Everything revolves around the kids and their activities. But God commanded us to be fruitful and multiply, but the marriage covenant between a man and a woman dates back to the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve. Some time ago, Mike gave an excellent message about having idols in our lives. And he wasn't talking about a golden calf. An idol is just simply something that we esteem higher than God. Many times, parents will put their children in this category of an idol or a god. Mike went on to say that kids just aren't equipped to play that role in our lives. We look to God for wisdom, guidance, and perfection. And sooner or later, our children are going to let us down if that's what we're expecting of them. Matthew 3, excuse me, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteous, righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Titus 1.6 talks about the qualifications of an elder. So this order thing is, is so important that that's actually in, in Titus, and it's talking about that. It says, uh, an elder must be blameless, a husband of one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to ch- of the charge of being wild and disobedient. So here we see that order that God's designed in the family. And one last verse I had to include when giving a message on parenting is 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be misled. I don't think this one's up there. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, this can apply to our children and to us. Just take a stroll through Proverbs, and you'll see plenty of verses and warnings of the company that we keep. So be very watchful. Be very deliberate. And maybe even be just a little bit of a helicopter parent when it comes to your children and be an example. Do we show love? Do we show patience? Do we show kindness? Do we show gentleness? Remember, your children are learning something new each day. What are, what are we teaching them? The light that our children shine really is the most important thing. I know we, the, the song that we heard today, Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. And everything else will fade. The only thing that's going to remain is the light that we shine for Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you right now, Father, for this message. Lord, I thank you that you have shown us, you have shown us the way to raise our children, to be good parents, to be good grandparents. You've given us that instruction manual, Father. We just pray right now, Lord, that uh, as we read your word, Father, that you would instill those uh, instructions on us, on our hearts. Lord, that our job isn't done here, Father. Our job isn't done when our kids grow up. Our job is, is always about parenting and, and uh, bringing people closer to you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for uh, just uh, being our Heavenly Father and just being such a great example. And, Lord, we just, uh, we just want to lift you up today, Father, and just thank you for such a wonderful week. Thank you for VBS, Lord, and uh, the, just the positive outcome that has that's come from that. For but, but above all, Father, we just pray that through all of that, that your name would be praised and your name would be lifted up. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Thank you very much.